All right, uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line joining us now to talk a little college football. Of course, he works for WFNZ in Charlotte. He's also on college football for Sirius XM Radio and, of course, the College Football Country Podcast. He's our friend Josh Parcell. Hi, Josh. Hey, what's up, fellas? How are you? Hey, we are doing terrific. Help us uh, with this discussion here. We're talking about the Pac-12. Uh, Utah with a big win over Washington, and we'll get your thoughts on that in a minute. But Oregon, big win over USC. They both look like they should be one-loss teams going into the conference title game. How much consideration would the winner of that game get for the college football playoff? I think quite a bit. I, I think that a one-loss Pac-12 champ will almost certainly be in the playoff. I, I look at Oklahoma right now in the Big 12 and Baylor, and I just don't think that the winner of that conference is going to have the win that would stack up with what the Pac-12 champion would have. Now, now the, the hang-up here would be if either Utah or Oregon got upset and then they didn't have the chance to knock the other one off in the Pac-12 title game. But I think that the strength of that win, whoever wins that head-to-head battle, assuming they're 11-1 and one each, I think is going to be enough to get them in over the Big 12 champ. And if we assume that the SEC gets the one team in, and the Big Ten gets the one. I think the Big Ten certainly only getting one. The SEC has an outside chance at two. Um, I, I think that the, the Pac-12 is in great shape. The, the thing they'd have to worry about would be if LSU-Bama, if the, the winner of that game then loses to Georgia in the SEC title game, then the SEC would have two really strong candidates. Uh, but I don't really foresee that happening. I, I think that, that LSU or Alabama is going to win the SEC. And even then, I think that the Pac-12 might sneak their way in over uh, an at-large from the SEC. Even if it's Alabama? Yeah, I mean, Alabama's resume isn't that great. Uh, I mean, they, they've been dominant, but they haven't played anybody. And if, if, they, if they were to win over LSU, that certainly would be a huge win. But if we assume that Utah or Oregon, you know, is 12 and one with a win over the other, that's still a top 10, top 11 win. I think that's enough to, when you add on the fact that they won their conference, the committee has said for forever that they do value that. And I know that they kind of changed their criteria to fit whatever, whatever's convenient for them. But I think that it would be enough. I, I do think that that would be a strong enough win that an Alabama team that has a great brand name, would only have the win over LSU. And, and if they beat Auburn, I mean, we're talking about a, at best a three-loss Auburn team. It's not like that win's going to, you know, absolutely stand up over what, you know, the Pac-12 would have. So I do. I, I think the Pac-12 would get in over a one-loss Alabama if they were an at-large. Hmm. Josh, as you know, uh, Coach Whittingham has struggled with Coach Peterson teams over the years. So how big is it for this program to go into Seattle and get a win over Washington, even though Washington might not be what they have been the past couple of years? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, certainly a a nice relief to be able to get that win and do it on their place. Uh, I was so impressed with with Huntley on Saturday night. I mean, playing banged up and and doing what he did. I, I thought he's just a tremendous leader. And He's really grown, I think, this season as their quarterback. And, you know, to watch Zach Moss dominate, I really do, guys. I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you. I I think Utah is the best team in the country that nobody is talking about. I mean, I just continue to be impressed with them week after week. The resolve that they showed in a tough spot on the road last week was uh, was awesome. And, you know, I know the final score said five points, but we know that that last touchdown was – relatively meaningless so Utah won convincingly in my eyes on the road against a a talented football team even though it's one that's been a little disappointing I I, I really do like Utah I cannot wait I really hope neither of them or Oregon get upset between now and December because that would be 
the biggest game in the Pac-12 in at least four or five years. So Tyler Huntley, you talked about him already. Zach Moss is a terrific running back, just a great talent, hard runner, fun to watch, very useful for the Utes. How would you evaluate that Utah defense? Because it, it I'm telling you, in, in person, it's really impressive. It's great. I mean, it's, I would put it up there with some of the best in the country, and, and that's what makes me so interested to watch them in Oregon is just they're two teams with two great defenses. But uh, I love their defensive line, incredibly strong. Uh, Washington had some success early in that game, but really, I mean, they, they held a, a talented Washington offense, especially a talented Jacob Eason in check. I think Utah's got a top 10 defense, and that's a tribute to Kyle Whittingham and what he's built at Utah. It's probably the best defense. You guys would probably know this better than I would, but this is the best defense I can remember them ever having. It's the number one rush defense in the country. So, I mean, yeah. teams are averaging like 50 yards against them, so that's pretty darn good. Yeah, and, I mean, you think about the teams that are going to be in the college football playoff mix. I mean, Clemson has such a great running game. Ohio State with J.K. Dobbins is a great rushing attack. Uh, LSU, I know they're a little bit more wide open, but if you can stop the run against some of those teams, you force the quarterbacks to beat you. I mean, you, you could have some success. I think that's going to be key. I mean, last year, Alabama, you know, we remember Trevor Lawrence having a big, a big day, but Travis Etienne lit up Alabama last year in the national championship game. I, I know Trevor Lawrence is tremendous, but if you can take Etienne away, you know, a couple turnovers here and there. We know Lawrence has been turning the ball over. You got a shot. So Utah, if they ended up in the playoff and had to take on one of the big boys, that run defense can play with anybody. Josh, uh, the uh, uh, very surprised that USC actually hired somebody qualified for the job of athletic director. They're hiring uh, Mike Bone. Uh, shocked I am that they've gone outside the USC family. But what can we read into that as far as the future of the football program and that head coaching job? What can we read into it? That's a good question. Um, I'm not in 100% you know, familiar with his tree and the connections that he has quite yet. Um, but the fact that he has not the direct ties to USC like some of the guys in the past makes you feel comfortable that, that, that they'll be open-minded in that coaching search, and I think that's important. I mean, we've seen some of the decisions that they've made in the past, hiring Lane Kiffin as a retread and then you know, giving Clay Helton the job after removing the interim tag. It just, I don't know, it just felt like USC was never really as open-minded as they should have been, and Pete Carroll was a unique guy. He was a a once-in-a-generation type hire. They got lucky when they did it. He wasn't even their first choice. But that speaks to, you know, the nature of these coaching searches. It doesn't always have to be the guy who's right at the top of your list. I do think that the the guy who they should go after is James Franklin. I I think Franklin would be the perfect hire for them. Uh, He brings in energy. His ability to recruit. If you can bring kids to Happy Valley – I think you can sell kids on coming to Southern California. So I think Franklin would be the best possible hire for them. I think Urban Meyer is just a little dangerous to me. We know he's one of the best coaches of the last 30 years, but I think you go with a lower risk guy in James Franklin who has the upside of a, you know, I think a national championship in his future. This is something Jake and I were talking about off the air, and we're going to maybe talk about it more on the air coming up. But how important is it? for a conference like the Pac-12 to have a marquee program within the conference doing really well, namely in the case of the Pac-12, USC. How it, is what's good for USC good for the Pac-12? Absolutely. I mean, that's branding and, and visibility for the entire league. 
I mean, you think about the ACC. The ACC is terrible, but Clemson is propping it up every single year. And not only the financial ramifications that the conference sees by that, but just the visibility and the marketing of Clemson's program as the flagship is huge. And, you know, it, I think it's even more important in the Pac-12 where you, you do kind of suffer from West Coast bias and the games are later at night and it's just harder for the league to be visible. Uh, you need USC or Oregon uh, to be a marquee program. Those have been two flagships for a long time in that league when they've been great. Uh, it's very important. It, it goes a long way for the perception of your league when your blue bloods are doing well. And that's something that in my neck of the woods, the ACC is, we certainly have Clemson, but struggling with Florida State and Miami and Virginia Tech. I mean, at least one, if not two of those other programs need to step up for this conference to be taken seriously. So the Pac-12, it, the, the, I think the depth of the league is pretty strong right now. It just needs that team at the top to, to jump into the playoff hunt and actually compete for a championship for, I think, the league to be taken a little bit more seriously nationwide. Speaking of Florida State, uh, they part ways with Willie Taggart, and between uh, salary buyouts at uh, various schools, they invested about $30 million in his less than two mm. years there. My question is, how good a job is Florida State right now, and where do you expect them to look? I think it is not quite as good of a job as it would appear, right? I mean, you're talking one of the premier programs in college football, 14 straight top five rankings in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, you know, in the hotbed of Florida, the recruiting hotbed of Florida. You should be able to pluck whatever talent you want, but there is a lot of turmoil right now at Florida State. I have a feeling that they're going to be searching for a new athletic director in the next year and a half or so, so there's a, some lack of certainty with that. Financially, they're in a difficult spot. They put on hold the building of a $60 million facility that was supposed to come out in 2021. They've dipped into some of those resources to pay the buyout for Willie Taggart. Ticket sales are down. And then that's not to speak of just the lack of discipline that they've seen in the program. You know, Willie Taggart, I think he was dealt a losing hand when he got there. Jimbo Fisher, had, he had one foot out the door really for the last year he was in Tallahassee, and that set Willie Taggart up to fail. But now it's about finding the coach who can come in and, and they're – have a fan base that's patient enough for them to see through a long rebuild. I think the best possible hire they could get would be Matt Rule at Baylor. I just don't know that he would take the job. Matt Rule has proven he can overhaul a program. He did it at Baylor. Uh, is he willing to take Florida State, or does he hold out for an NFL job? Or maybe Penn State, where he has ties up in Pennsylvania, should James Franklin leave. I think that would be the dream hire. I think realistically the guy I have my eye on is Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Josh, I hate to throw you off, uh, throw you a curve here, but I wanted to ask you an unusual question. I did a column uh, today on Weber State football here. They're the number three ranked FCS team in the country right now. Do you give a flying rip about FCS football? Do you find it interesting? Do you find it different than the FBS? Uh, Do you ever check it out? What do you make of it? I don't watch a ton of FCS during the regular season, but when it gets to the playoff, I do love watching that, uh, you know, that level. I, I think it's really neat, and I love that ESPN and College Game Day spends a week every season going through an FCS program because some of those towns are just so just built around the school and around that environment and that, and that football program. I, I think it's great. Um, I don't watch it every week. I mean, I barely have enough time to watch enough of the, the FBS games. And I think that's interesting. I'll be interested to read your column because I'd like to see the premise of that and 
Um, I mean, do you think that the FCS is in a good, in, in a healthy space right now? Uh, I uh, that I I don't know. I didn't get into that a little bit, but uh, but I do like the format of the playoff. And one thing that's really interesting to me at that level, it seems as though the coaches uh, are really aggressive. And uh, as I talked with Jay Hill at Weber State, who's a who's a terrific up and coming coach. Uh, just knows his football and cares about his kids and is doing a fantastic job at Weber. But he, he used he used a phrase that I found very interesting. He said, coaches at the FCS level, let it rip. And I thought, that's a really cool thing. That's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing. And I wish more coaches would be that way. I, I like that. I love that phrase, too. I mean, you, you think about how much money is involved at the highest levels of college football. I think it tends to make coaches a little bit gun shy, right? I mean, you, you have coaches who are very worried about their jobs, and there's just a ton of pressure on every single game, win or lose. And there, that's a byproduct of the money that's involved, the exclusivity of the playoffs, where one loss is not necessarily a death blow, but certainly really hurts your chances. And the FCS, with that expanded playoff format, there's less pressure, right? I mean, so it, I think it makes for an easier. A coaching job, certainly. And, I mean, guys, there have been a, plenty of FCS and lower-level coaches who have made that jump. I mean, Chris Kleiman at, at Kansas State is doing a heck of a job right now coming from North Dakota State. We've seen several other examples, you know, Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly, guys like that who came from the lower levels. There are a ton of great coaches. Joe Moorhead, who's not doing all that great at Mississippi State right now but had a ton of success at Penn State as an O.C., there's a lot of bright minds at that level, and, and the smart coaches are finding them, and the smart ADs are finding them and bringing them up to the highest level. The other thing that was cool about it is one of the coaches said, the kids at this level, they play football because they love to play it. And that's a nice, mm-hmm. that's a nice quaint notion, isn't it, as opposed to any other reason? <laughs> I mean, they're not getting a ton of glory for this. They're doing it because they love it, and I think that's kind of cool. One, one last question I wanted to run by. I wanted to circle back to Utah and Oregon. Uh, if those two teams do meet in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, who, who do you like there, Josh? Man, you put me on the spot. I, I, I think I would lean Utah barely, but boy, is that going to be a just a bloodbath of a game. I, I, I like Utah because of the defensive line. I know Oregon's got a great one as well. Uh, they've got great athletes, but I've just been really impressed with the poise of Tyler Huntley. Justin Herbert is, is tremendous and probably, I mean, well, not probably, definitely a more gifted quarterback when we talk about the NFL. But that backfield for Utah I think is special. And I, I while Mario Cristobal is a nice coach, I think Kyle Whittingham's a better one. I would trust him in that spot. He's been in plenty of big games before. We've seen Utah on the biggest stage, BCS Bowl, New Year's Six Bowls. I think that that would be a stage that he would thrive again. So, trust me, guys, that, that's a coin flip kind of game, but if I had to right now make a pick, I, I think Utah would have a slight edge. Well, Josh, we always look forward to when you have a chance to join the show. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Josh. You bet, guys. Talk to you soon. Josh Parcell, WFNZ there in Charlotte, Sirius XM Radio, you know, part of their college football coverage, and uh, the Outkick, the or excuse me, the uh, the College Football Country podcast as well.